Yeah, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us this afternoon. Um, yeah, so as our, our presentation states, uh, we're about um, taking kids outside on trips. So this is not like an outdoor education that you would have in your school from 8 to 3 p.m. So we just want to give you an opportunity, like, uh oh, this is not what I signed up for. You can leave. <laughs> but yeah, but we're we're gonna be talking about if you are interested in leading a trip, taking kids outside uh, on, a, on an extended trip, uh, this is gonna be for you then. So my buddy Ross here is really nervous, so we're gonna pray before we start. So let's let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for friendships. We thank you for times where we can get together um, and learn and reflect. And God, I, I pray that uh, today that you would teach us some new things. Teach us some new things, God, about um, taking kids outside and the benefits of doing that. Thank you for all the people here. God, it's no accident that these people here, God, you have designed and ordained this to happen from a long time ago. So God, uh, I just pray for our conversations and for our friends here. Uh, may we learn a great deal and uh, build some new friendships in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Are, are we okay if I don't use a microphone? Yeah. yeah. Yes. We're good. All right. I'm a roamer, and I don't like to be tethered there, and we only have one microphone for the one we brought. So and My voice is weak, so I need, uh, I need this to help me out. Well, uh, first, a bit about us. Uh, it's always good to kind of know who you're supposed to be learning from. Um, my name's Ross. Again, I, you can tell I know what I'm doing uh, when it comes to the outdoors because I'm wearing a flannel shirt. <laughs> I, I sent a picture of Ken and I to my wife this morning. She's like, oh, nice outfit choices. <laughs> um, uh, I grew up in Minnesota uh, in the Twin Cities area, which, you know, it's a, a big urban area, but within 20 minutes in the direction, you can be in the outdoors, the woods, um, the prairies. So growing up, I did a lot of camping with my family. I was a Boy Scout. Um, a lot, of, uh, a lot of hiking, backpacking, biking, uh, just always always outside, right? So it's been really a lifelong uh, passion of mine. Then I moved to Chicago, which isn't so outdoor friendly. Uh, so you just got to work a little harder, though, uh, to find those experiences. But, you know, we, we just got to through some things about each of us. You know, you probably have a lot in common, uh, a lot of similar interests uh, as, as we do here. But, um, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Yeah, Ken Skalma, uh, believe it or not, Ross and I were competing for the same job at our school 13 years ago. You got it. I didn't. Uh, but that was a consolation prize, so there we go. So the rest is history. Yeah, that's my son and I. Uh, we have, we, we just, we, ever since I was a little kid, my dad took me outside uh, hunting, fishing, camping. And I think our love for the, and passion for the outdoors um, has just continued with me. Uh, into my adulthood. So we love, we love, love, love being outside and being able to take kids on these ex experiences and sharing our passions with them uh, over the last 22 years has been tremendous. So I'm going to keep the next slide. Okay, I'm going to conjure up a, a trigger. This is a trigger warning, okay? So those of you who are teaching during COVID, anyone? Anyone teaching during the lockdown? Oh my word, yes, terrible, right? Um, but yeah, I, I have vivid memories of just how difficult that was for all of us, and especially for the kids, too. The kids, I think, were the ones that really struggled the most through this experience. I uh, came across a study from the University of Michigan in 2021. Uh, COVID really did mess us up a lot, and especially our kids. I was reflecting with a lot of our staff last year, uh, you know, the day or the, the year after the whole lockdown of COVID, and 
I don't know about you, but our school went through just a really tumultuous time. I mean, we had more behavior issues. We had kids with lots of depression, anxiety, fights all the time. Like, what is going on with our kids? And we just attributed so much of it to our COVID-19 experience. And as you can see, from anxiety, depression, sleep issues, withdrawing from families, aggressive behavior, our kids need help. Our kids need us to pour into them. And around the same time, um, I actually have a pretty unique situation. I live in Indiana, but I work in Illinois, so I got quite a, quite a drive to my job. And I just binge listen to Audible, like a lot. And during the, the lockdown, someone said, hey, you got to read this book called The Three-Day Effect. Has anybody heard of this book, The Three-Day Effect? you got to read it. It's amazing. If you like the outdoors, if you like um, just some interesting research. So this is a guy, Ken Sanders. He does float trips down the Colorado River. He's been doing it for years and years. And through all of his experiences, he realized that if you immerse people in the wilderness for a minimum of three days, the physiological benefits that it gives to people is its amazing. Uh, they, they were realizing, and they brought people from all walks of life, doctors, uh, teachers, social workers, garbage truck driving, and all kinds of people, uh, former veterans, and um, the, you know, the book is just, just chronicles the stories of these people um, going on these trips and hearing their testimonies about how being in the woods really changed their health for the better. There's so many, so many great benefits for being outside. So the three-day effect, how nature calms your brain, check it out. It's a great, great listen. I give to you, actually. We've got so many clickers here. Um, but before I, before I was a teacher, I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for seven years at a church in Northwest Indiana. And around the same time uh, I was a youth pastor, I, I began to learn a little bit about the rhythms of Jesus. And Jesus himself, if you read the Gospels, was repeatedly disappearing. And people were like, is Jesus gone again? Where is this guy? Uh, Luke 5.16. I'm not sure. Can you change this? Over? I, it looks like it might just be because of the hookup. Right. I don't know if we'll I do our best. Or anything, but uh, I, this is one of my favorite passages. Luke 5.16. Jesus, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and pray. Mark 1.35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded place, and was praying there. Mark 6.31, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest. Not a short time, a while. Rest a while. Mark 6.45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him, to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he himself was sitting in the crowd. <coughs> I just can't see him. Shh, guys, just go. Let's get away. Okay? And after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. I look at this and I'm like, hey, what are we missing? What are we missing here? Jesus, the rhythms of Jesus, the habits of Jesus were all about having regular times in the wilderness. I think he knew that it was beneficial. It was a place where he could connect with his father and where he could pray and be healthy because you know, he was Jesus and he needed to be that to his disciples as well. We want to just take a, just a brief moment uh, to just hear from you guys, but I'm, I'm sure we have a lot of outdoor enthusiasts in here. 
Uh, for me, when I was uh, growing up, um, even down to my, my adulthood, whenever I go into the wilderness, whether it's um, you know, in the Midwest or a long ways away, I do. By, you know, after a few days, I, I feel, as a person that wrestles with anxiety myself, um, I feel my body slowly just kind of chilling out when I get into the woods. Well, how about you? We just kind of wonder just for a few moments, what does wilderness or getting away do for you? Any volunteers want to share the benefits of being or just unplugging yourself and, and getting out outside? Bill, how about you? I haven't been on some fishing trips with you guys. I think it's uh, a nice opportunity just when there's, there's no noise out there. There's always noise going yeah. on everywhere you are, at least in there. And being from near Chicago, it's a chance to just be able to think and, and stop hearing other things. Um, I just I love the silence. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, sir. Um, I think being in the classroom a lot um, and being a parent with small children gives this like constant feeling of like um, you feel like you're needed all the time. Mm. Um, and there's so much that you could be doing and can be doing. Uh, but then for me, like stepping out into the wilderness. Um, in a good way, as a reminder of how small I am. Um, that's a helpful reminder that um, all of those needs and those important things that I'm feeling are important, but there, there are bigger things out there than what I'm doing. It helps me remind me of, of that. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Anyone I else? think we need to be reminded, too, of what a huge blessing that little spigot that comes out into your sink is. A warm shower is. Yes. A refrigerator. All these things that we so quickly take for granted. 100%. And in fact, the water is the only thing that we always talk about because it's you know, filtering water day after day or bringing water with you. It's like, oh man, I just can't wait to just go home and go turn the water on and just have an endless amount. But you're right, we take it for granted all the time. So you're one right next to you. Yeah, as you say, yeah, it's the sensory experience and just how, you know, we're used to climate control, but just like how does it feel to be really warm or really cold or just the wind and the sounds like you was talking about earlier, I think all the senses yeah. are a little bit more heightened. It's therapeutic. It, it really is, yeah. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I said I grew up doing a lot of that stuff, but, you know, in high school, college, I kind of got busy, kind of got out of some of those hobbies. Uh, and then I, I was in the Army for a little while, and I did, I did a tour in Iraq. And when I came back from that combat tour, uh, maybe a year later, my buddies, some of my army buddies and I went on a fishing trip up to the Boundary Waters. That was my first time like back really in like remote wilderness in years. And I finally found like some peace there. Like that, that's what it does for me. It's just, yeah, peace. Sensory, you know, um, the peacefulness, like Bill was saying, like that's where I can finally feel, yeah, like, like calm again. And, and thankfully that's still an emotion I feel when I get out there. It's, it's a special thing. So, thank you for sharing those things. Sorry if, we, if there was other hands that we cut off, but um, again, we want to we wanna really focus on making these trips happen, making these trips happen for you, for your school, for your community. Um, so we kind of laid it out as like steps to take, um, but we, we obviously kind of have to start with just what kind of trip do we want. Uh, really, we've led fishing trips because that's what we're experienced with. That's what we've kind of grown up doing or know well. Uh, I've also led a few backpacking trips with another uh, Timothy Christian teacher who's since moved on to a different school. Otherwise, he'd probably be up here with us too. Uh, but again, just our interests, our experience, our equipment that we have, that's what we are comfortable doing. Um, but really, you also need to think of just like places too, right? And we'll address that as well. But for us, 
there's some places somewhat nearby where we're from that allows us easy access to do those things. So as you're really planning out what kind of trip, that, that's really the first thing you got to figure out is what do I want to do? And, and look at yourself, look at you know, what's somewhat uh, close. Um, and then, yeah, figure out that, that exact activity. Um, really consider what type of experiences maybe your student body has. You've already looked at yourself and said, okay, this is what I'm comfortable doing. But look at your students and think about, all right, what, what are these kids maybe capable of? You know, if uh, you, you can maybe build on that experience. If you live in an area of, you know, the promised land of West Michigan, or so I hear, uh, where there's lots of lakes and rivers and everything, maybe a lot of kids do have experience canoeing, kayaking. You know, um, being out on water, maybe you want to build on that. Maybe you want to rely on that as you plan your trip. Um, maybe you live in an area that has tons of mountain biking trails. Okay, let's do a mountain biking trip. I know there's 15, 20 kids who have decent bikes, you know. Uh, maybe you want to go the other, uh, the other direction. You want to say, hey, I know the kids have done this. Let's, let's expand their horizons. Let's bring them into something totally new that, that I know that they don't. Um, kind of figure out which, which way you want to lead, uh, lead out on that. And of course, again, consider your own experience. Um, you know, we were just kind of talking about that. Like, you, you can't lead a trip if you can't keep up. All right now, there's no way that me as a 38 year old and Ken as a what 48 ish. All right, uh, two. You know, we're not going to be able to keep up with an 18 year old on the trail unless we overload their packs a little bit, right? Uh, but you can't really lead if you can't keep up. Make sure you have that experience. Make sure you know what you're doing. Because ultimately, you're going to be teaching these kids. Even if they do have some previous experience, you as the leader are going to be imparting a lot of just new skills, new ideas on them. Um, so you've got to know what you're doing, too, before you, before you even step foot in the woods. Um, we'll talk more about this later, but again, as you're thinking of what activity... We also firmly believe that any trip you take kids out on should have uh, like a character development or a, a spiritual development component to it. Uh, it's, it's just such a unique experience that you're taking these kids on um, that offers itself or it really lends itself to incorporating devotions or, or quiet time with God or, or just some other building experience. Um, again, we'll talk more about that aspect later. But uh, I think that's as important, or that should be considered one of your activities of your trip, just as fishing or biking or hiking would be considered, too. Another big thing to consider, uh, kind of step two, is just who's coming, right? Who's going to come along? Uh, we consider that really a crucial aspect, right? You've got to have the right personalities, the right abilities, or your trip can go south real fast. Uh, we've had some really, really interesting kids on our trip. Um, you know, kids that at the, the pre-trip meeting, you know, hey, give yourself like a, a rank of like one to five, your comfort with, with fishing. Kid holds his hand up, I'm a five. You know, I won a musky fishing competition for kids up in Eagle River. Down like, awesome, great, you're, you know, whatever. You're thinking that this kid is going to be like your rock star fisherman. No. Day two, he comes to us, can you tie my hook on my line for me? It's like, what? I thought you were a five, you know? What's going on? But, you know, and, and you know, again, Chicago, we get a lot of city slickers, right? People who haven't had these experiences before. So that, that's part of the fun of it. But just be aware that it, it really, uh, being aware of those personalities and skill levels, it, it's certainly something to pay mind to. Uh, and, and really thinking of, of how you want kids to sign up is, is kind of part of, of, who you, of figuring out the kind of people you're going to take, too. Our trips have been done through our school's summer uh, camp program. 
Timothy offers a wide variety of like on-campus summer camps for our students, uh, sports camps, craft camps, whatever else. Um, but we offered ours through that. And so like in February is usually when they start advertising that to our community. Right before spring break was when signups went, and it's um, all the camps are just first come, first come, first serve. So for me, that makes me real nervous because it means like anybody can sign up, which is good. We want everybody to be able, you know, able to experience these things. But again, thinking of just the personalities, the ability levels that really do have to be factored into this trip, that always made me kind of nervous to just say like, yeah, whoever. Um, so tailoring it a little bit, perhaps. Um, I'll, I'll talk in a second too of just sort of maybe reaching out to individuals that you think would make good participants or who you know have certain skills. Uh, that can certainly play into it as well. Uh, just some other things I thought of, of that we consider too is just, of course, age. Um, you know, I, I teach middle school, Ken's more in the intermediate school. Um, some of you teach high school or younger, who knows. When we first started planning our fishing trip, we were aiming at, at high school boys. We thought that would be the right age to take into the woods. Um, it was our, I think, second year at Timothy. And so we, we put all this planning into it and, and advertisements up. We got absolutely zero interest from anybody uh, in the high school. And it wasn't necessarily that they didn't want to fish or that this didn't sound cool. It was just they didn't know us. And I think they were too busy. Yeah, maybe. Work, whatever else. But, but they, they didn't know us. We didn't have a relationship with them. So we shifted gears quickly to middle school, right? People I had more direct contact with who knew me. Uh, and we had a lot more success, and that, that's what it turned into was a middle school fishing camp. Uh, but yeah, consider age, and, and with that would come like ability and experience. You know, you want to th again. All of this will be new to some kids. Some of it will be new to everybody. Uh, but thinking through just what experiences might these kids have had, what will they be able to like, kind of figure out and rise up to, is is certainly part of the equation when you're you're figuring out what age group or, or whatever else you're considering. Totally a subjective thing to say, but toughness factors in. Um, you know, high school kids, boys or girls, might be able to do a backpacking trip a little bit better than like fifth graders. Not impossible for a fifth grade kid to do it, but in reality, it, it, it's a lot easier for somebody bigger, stronger, right? Um, so consider your activity and how it would match up with yeah that that toughness factor and that that uh, with age, that usually comes with age. I put mental on there as well. Uh, you know, for middle schoolers going up uh, to the areas we take them, for some of these guys, it's the first time they've really ever been further than maybe grandma's house from home. Uh, it'll be the first time for some to spend multiple nights away. Not just like multiple nights away in a tent, swatting mosquitoes, but like just away at all. Uh, so the mental aspect of that, you know, are, are these kids going to be able to handle being away? Are they going to be able to be not only be away from mom and dad for the first time, but also in an uncomfortable situation, in something that's brand new for them, in something that maybe they figured out on day one they don't really like to do as much as they thought they might? Um, that mental aspect, as with so many things, is, is pretty stinking important. Genders, obviously, is something to consider. Um, we've only taken boys on trips. We think that that's more appropriate as males ourselves that, that we're taking you know, young men on these trips. Um, I would love to lead a girls trip though sometime. We're just waiting for the right female staff member to rise up uh, to the occasion and come with us, to be honest. I, I think it'd be so much fun to share this with, with girls. It all comes down to the bathroom situation. It's, tr it's tricky. <laughs> it's, it's rough out there. But you know, think of who you want. I don't think we would ever consider doing like 
boys and girls together on a trip like this. It just adds an extra element. But maybe what you have working in your head, what kind of trip you want to do, that would work better. But for us, I, I don't know. We would have to be... We'd have to work hard to be sold on that idea. But, but think your way through, obviously, which gender you want to target, too. Think of who your other leaders might be. Maybe you're here, but nobody else from your school is here right now. Um, teamwork is best, right? Ken and I just happened to get hired the same year and happened to have exactly the same interests, which was really nice. Uh, but maybe you're kind of a lone ranger at your school. Uh, but find somebody else in your community to, to help you with this. It's, it's really, I'd say, mandatory to... Probably legally too to have two adults, um, but it's way easier when you have have just those other leaders to help you out. Um, and just right away from the get go, have really open, direct conversations with these kids, with their families, uh, and be honest of like what we're gonna do. Talk about how it's gonna be tough. You might just weed out some of those kids who maybe would be on the fence, but maybe really don't belong, perhaps, uh, or or wouldn't be the quite the uh, the right fit. If you're if you're brutally honest to them, or at least somewhat honest to them. Right from the get-go, um, you might avoid a, a situation later in the camp that you don't really want to deal with. And then, shh, don't be afraid to recruit, okay? Um, I mean, those Christian schools in Michigan all recruit for athletics anyway, so I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, again, you want the right people, right? You want the right people, so I, I was kind of notorious for it, you know, around Christmas time, i say, like, hey... You know what a cool Christmas gift would be? A fishing trip this summer. You know, like talk to your parents about this. You know, I'd put the bug in people's ears that, again, I thought would be a good fit, who I knew had maybe some of the interests that they would need for this trip, fishing trip or a backpacking trip. And also, honestly, kids I could, I could see myself spending five days in the woods with, right? And not going crazy myself or, you know, wanting to leave them behind. So it's, it's I think, okay to recruit. Oh boy, okay, here we go. So where are we going? Uh, this is, I think, one of the, it could be one of the tricky parts to planning a wilderness trip. Again, not to be sounding redundant, but I, I grew up in West Michigan, so I get it, I love it. You know, Ross is mocking, you know, West Michigan, but it's really a great place. Um, but, you know, we're from the Chicago area, so we have to work a little bit harder to get into some wilderness settings. And for us, we have felt that, oops, forest well, yeah, there's forest preserves. But, um, you know, it's, it's being in the flight plan, the flight path of O'Hare and Midway, Oh, it's a shooting star. No, that's the Southwest jet. Never mind. Okay, so so there there's that component. So if, if we want to take these kids to a remarkable place where they can experience some truly incredible solitude, we're going to have to spend a little bit more time uh, driving a greater distance. So for us, that's maybe the tricky part. One thing that we've kind of figured out over the years, water features are actually a really big thing. It's free entertainment for the kids. So if you have a weather day, I was going to say, you know, the only time water's bad is when it's falling from the sky. You know, and we've had, and we've had many times in the woods where we're like, oh boy, it's supposed to rain for the next 13 hours. So, see ya. <laughs> Do we just hunker down in tents and read and uh, yeah, but it, it works, and we make it work. But, you know, having, you know, fishing, swimming, rocks to skip, uh, going in the creek to catch frogs, you know, one of the things that we've done, we, uh, we'll talk about Sylvania in a few minutes, but um, on one of these wilderness trips, midway through the week, we take a hike to a remote lake, 
and that's our swimming, also taking a shower day. So we, uh, we go swimming, go fishing, and it's a tremendous, uh, tremendously fun time. Again, considering distance from your community to where you're going to go, distance always means it's going to be more costly. But greater distance from the Midwest usually means way cooler scenery. I would say especially in terms of backpacking. Fishing in the Midwest has got some of the best fishing in the world, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, oh, let me go back to one more. Uh, but considering difficulty of access, you know, the harder to get to a place, in my mind, uh, in my opinion, I'd rather drive an extra hour so I can get away from the crowds and get away from buildings so that these kids can experience all the great things that we did uh, growing up, too. But I like to think of Isle Royal National Park. This is uh, one of my favorite places to go. Anyone else been to the Isle? Hey, oh, yes. There been there half a dozen times. You know, it's the hardest national park to get to, if I'm not mistaken. It uh, has the least amount of visitors, but it has the most return visitors of any national park. And I, I can't help but think it's if you are able to get to this place, you'll understand why when you get there. There's nobody there. It's completely isolated. And that, that sense of seclusion and solitude is just unparalleled in my mind. But sharing that with kids, you know, getting them to get out there for the first time and experiencing someone had mentioned just stillness and silence. That's for some of these kids who are you know, spend twelve plus hours a day in front of a screen. That, that's tremendous for them. It's scary sometimes. You know, sometimes on some of our trips, like around the campfire. We've had times, I guess, everybody, we're just going to not talk for 60 seconds. Do you remember we've done this before? Yeah, it drives me crazy. Oh, okay. You know, but when there's nothing to listen to, except, you know, sometimes it's nothing, but, you know, sometimes you get an owl occasionally, but some of these kids just, they're enamored by that. So this is Sylvania. I, I, have any of you ever been to Sylvania before? The western side of the UP? It's, awesome. yeah, it's a tremendous place. Um, I've been going here on and off for 22 years. Uh, my dad actually, uh, in 1999, uh, subscribed to Outdoor Magazine. He's like, Dad, you gotta read this article about this place called Sylvania. I was like, what the world? I've never heard of this place before. No one, hardly anyone has ever heard of this place. It's a mini boundary waters in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. With better fishing. Way As a Minnesotan, that takes a lot for me to say, like something bad about the Boundary Waters, yes. but there's under, no doubt the better fishing. So I've been going here for 22 years. Uh, it is one of the, in my opinion, the best place in the Midwest to fish. It is so awesome. And if you have kids that can come with you that have zero fishing skills, this is a great way to build some confidence for them. Um, this guy in particular, I'll never forget it. I think that was maybe the second fish he caught, or the, was this on Deer Island? Yeah. Funny story. This kid was struggling like crazy all week to catch a fish. Hunched over in his canoe like this. I thought, oh man, this kid's having a terrible time. Oh man. Turns out later, his, his mom, who's also a teacher, goes, that was the best time he's ever had. I was like, you gotta keep kidding me. <laughs> so he, he catches a fish, and uh, simultaneously, his, his reel has a complete malfunction. Bird's nests are flying everywhere. He's like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get this fish. And so he just starts walking backwards. <laughs> drags the fish onto the land, and he's like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> was, they call it landing a fish. He landed it. There you go. <laughs> But I started going here in the early 2000s when I was a youth pastor. I would take boys from my church 
And at the time, I, you know, people say, you sure you want to do this? You know, it's like six and a half hours away. It's a big responsibility. It's like, yeah, I know it does sound crazy, but I think it'd be really cool. So I, I did a half a dozen trips with, uh, some, with boys over the, I don't know how many years, uh, maybe six or seven years when I was youth pastoring. And then Ross and I, I think we've done five or well, Five or six trips? Five trips with boys and probably five or six with adults. Yeah, so this is just some from our past trips. Um, <laughs> it's always comical. This picture here, when we first launched, the boys are very, now they're novices at maneuvering canoes um, <laughs> and whatnot, but <laughs> seriously, by the grace of God, I, I, we, I don't think we ever had a kayak or a canoe capsized. I, it's, it's a miracle. Except for me getting in one that I'm too fast. Except for us. <laughs> but by the end of the trip, they're, they're much better. Um, just It's great to see some of these kids. Most of these kids have never caught fish this big. You know, they used to catch them little bluegills on Grandma's Pond in their front yard. You know, like, oh, I've never caught fish this big. Uh, we'll talk more about this later, but um, our spiritual component, whenever we're doing trips, we have some sort of part of it. That is experiential, where the kids can connect with scripture, we can connect with each other. I think this is right before a morning uh, quiet time where we send kids off uh, for some reflection time. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, though. As I said earlier, I've done a few backpacking trips in addition to the fishing trips. It feels like we're just kind of talking fishing because we're just kind of dumb fishermen. In fact, we're the dumbest, we're bass fishermen. Anyone can catch a bass. Uh, but Backpacking is an interest of ours as well, and uh, again, that, that other teacher and I, we led a couple trips over the years. Uh, we did Manitou Island, which is just off the coast of uh, Michigan. Really cool experience of you know, taking a ferry boat out there, and, and you know, just the island uh, experience. We also led a trip on the Manistee River, which is kind of north-central Michigan. Um, that's, that's a great little loop of a trail. I think it's about 20-some miles, maybe 26 miles total, a couple, you know, multi-day trip. Uh, but just, again, that was really a, like Ken said, most of the boys we take fishing, they've caught a fish before. But backpacking, that's really kind of a, a little niche thing, right? Um, these high schoolers, you know, they were athletes, they've, you know, done hard things before maybe, but there's something very different about strapping 40 or 45 pounds to their back and tell them to go walk for 10 or 12 miles, right? And, and that's really a new experience for everybody. Um, and then for Kevin and I, it was a really new experience to, like, you know, in some cases, literally hauling them, pulling, pushing to get them to keep going, too. Uh, but really cool places there uh, in Michigan. Uh, a place that we, we have not taken boys, but we took a, a guy's trip. We, we're blessed with a lot of coworkers who like the outdoors, some of which are sitting in the room right now. Uh, we planned, uh, we call it a surf and turf uh, year. We did, uh, the turf was three days up in the Porcupine Mountains in the UP. Uh, backpacking, and then uh, the turf or the surf was four days in Sylvania fishing. Great combination trip. Um, but again, just some places we've been that aren't too far, uh, and, and great locations. So again, talking more about the, the character development and the spiritual component to this. Um, yeah, thanks. One of the things that again I just keep reflecting on more and more is when we take boys out on these trips. Is man. What these boys need more than anything is strong Christian men to lead them and to, and I'm not like, you know, puffing up our pride here. Yeah, well, but, what they got was us. But that's what they need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But you guys know, you guys know your kids. You know their home lives. You know, how many, how many of these kids have no dads? How many of these kids come from broken homes? And if, 
if we can provide some sense of stability for them and then also bring them on a memorable trip and encourage them and pray with them, that's, that's really awesome. But over the, over the many years we've done this, we've covered a lot of different topics. One of my favorite ones, uh, this was one of our last trips, we did a whole unit, if you will, on the rites of passage into manhood. Like, what does culture say about this? What does scripture say about this? You know, And it was just, I mean, talk about great conversations around a campfire at night, talking about topics like this. Uh, we've also gone through entire books of the Bible. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, we went through um, the entire book of John. Like, wow, that's a long one. <laughs> like, let's try First John. It's a little bit shorter. <laughs> um, but it's great. Uh, what, is this? what is that first word there? Uh, figuring out. Okay, there we go. Figuring out identity, worth, value, etc. And then one of my favorite things, honestly, every single day, no matter what, at the end of the day, 9, 10 o'clock, get the fire going, everyone's a little chilled out, we do highs and lows. And we go around the whole fire, and it's a great opportunity for kids to share funny stories about what they experienced that day. Oh, my word, I got 25 mosquito bites on my elbow. My word, I hate this place. Um, but the highs, too. Like, man, I caught my first... 18-inch bass of my whole life, or uh, I never thought I could do this, and I did this, and we have just tons and tons of stories over the years of kids that have um, shared with us some of these encouraging things. So I had on our guys' trip, too, like with other adults, and it's their favorite part of the day, too, is yes. swapping stories and, and right. laughs. And again, just a great opportunity for just kids to reflect and process what they did for that day. Um, I would say overwhelming majority of the lows have always been mosquitoes. Yes. yes. And getting kids jobs, um, le- letting them have leadership roles is something that we're very passionate by. Um, Ross is kind of a boss, so being a military man, you kind of bosses everyone around. Uh, keeping the can buttoned up nice and clean, right? So, <laughs> yeah, right? Kids trash your classrooms, they also trash the outdoors, so we got to be mindful of that as well, but but having kids pray before meals, before going out in the water, um, having kids cook and clean with you, and we'll talk more about that later as well, but um, taking that responsibility off of yourself and giving it to them, it's a great, it's a great opportunity for them to shine. And one of the things that I think was really special, too, was our morning quiet times. So every morning when we would wake up, we'd have, we'd have breakfast, and then we would get together and say, all right, kids, we're going we're gonna to send you off with a couple of topics or questions or things to think about. And we would send them away for 30 minutes in the woods. Mosquito-infested woods, legions of mosquitoes. And we'd give them their Bible and um, a can of off. <laughs> and we'd say, we'll call you in like 30 minutes. And the only rule was they couldn't see any of us or any of each other. So they had to be far enough away but within earshot if we needed to call them back to the camp. And for, again, in, in 2022, when we are inundated with screens and technology, and I need things now, 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 and when you force someone in an environment like this to say, you know what, you got nothing but God and time. Can you handle that? And for a lot of kids, I think at first it's, it's pretty tough, but throughout the week... I think a lot of boys really start to enjoy and appreciate this this morning quiet time. 
So, spiritual development obviously is a big priority for us. Um, Picking the place, all the other things we've talked about, uh, and now we, we get more into like the logistics, right? The, the hardcore stuff, and a big part of any trip is gear, right? Those of you who are into the outdoors, that's usually kind of the fun part, right? Especially if you like get some new piece of equipment, or you look through the gear guide from Backpacker Magazine, or whatever, you drool over the whatever new stuff. Um, so acquiring gear is, is kind of a fun part of the trip, I think. Uh, but you really got to figure out what's essential. The essential gear that you absolutely have to have function every single time you need it, you be in charge of that. That has to be coming from you. Don't trust kids to bring the essential stuff. Uh, our first fishing trip, we had a family say, oh, we have a big six-man tent. We can send that along. Oh, okay, fine. Well, not saying we have to bring that. Cool. That tent was like disintegrating as the rain pelted these boys. Patched, soaking wet, full mold. It was a huge mistake. I mean, this thing was from like 1982. I think it would have been like a wedding gift for the parents or something like that. Yeah. Terrible, big mistake. Terrible. So the next year we invested in you know some some more quality tents. We just we took the costs out of our, our earnings for that year. Um, you know, stoves. Um, Lanterns, any any kind of group gear, water yeah, filters, yeah that, yeah, that you need and you need to know will work. You be in charge of that. Okay, you, you just gotta. Um, so that's the essential stuff, and then the kids obviously have to have their things too. There's certain things that they'll need to provide for themselves, uh, you know, clothing, some other equipment. Uh, but but make that distinction in your own mind, so you know again that you can trust certain gear that's either going to make or break the trip. Um, and keep costs in mind. You know, don't don't roll out a, a packing list that's going to cost the kids, you know, fifteen hundred bucks uh, to go on a backpacking trip just in gear costs. Um, if if you're a gear snob like Ken, uh, be prepared to look the other way. Right? He he has to look the other way a lot with me because I'm a true cheap Dutchman when it comes to pretty much everything. He takes um, cheapness to a new level. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, keep that price point in mind when you're considering what kids should have or, or need for a trip, um, keep that in mind because it, it's going to drive families away or just make it um, some just that much more of a strain for them. you got to just kind of be ready to accept that that low or medium level stuff is probably good enough. Uh, some of these kids will never use this equipment anymore. We hope that's not the case. Uh, but, you know, again, just be prepared to see a, a wide variety of gear come along on a trip. Things that you would never want to touch yourself will probably be good enough for them. And we've seen some doozies over the year. You know, grandpappy's fishing pole from the 60s that hasn't, you know, seen the water. The original fishing line, by the way. Yeah, that, that always goes well. Um, one of the backpacking trips, you know, we're like, all right, you're going to want to have a, a sleeping pad. Pretty not maybe not critical, but pretty important for comfort and warmth and everything. And this kid was like, "Oh yeah, I got that, I got that." We're setting up tent, or our, camp, our camp the first night, and I'm like, "What did you just pull out of your backpack?" He had. Um, I, I'm a parent of three little ones, and I know we had in like our play area like these these snap together like foam squares with like letters on them. He had two of those that he had like rolled up and stuck in his pack. It worked, I guess, but I, I definitely had to just look the other way. But anyway, you got to be willing to, to kind of budge on some of those things. Um, and really just be prepared to beg and borrow. Right, to make these trips affordable, that's what we've kind of resorted to, is, is just trying to find as much equipment for kids to offset costs, to not put too much on them. Um, reach out to local hiking clubs if, if you live in an area that that's a thing. If you need trekking poles, 
maybe members are willing to let you borrow some for the week. Uh, if you know, I was blessed. Um, the church I go to has a it's called the Sportsman's Club, and it's me and a lot of old guys who like to fish, basically. But those guys, when they found out we were organizing this trip, they got so excited because that's like their passion. They use fishing as a ministry for our community. And, I mean, they, they wrote me a check, you know, to offset costs for, for families that were struggling to get there. They did a donation of fishing lures, which there was some interesting junk they pulled out of the back of the tackle box to give us. But, you know, and, and rods and reels, so much stuff came in um, just to help these kids go. Maybe there's something like that in your community as well. If your, store has a, uh, if your school has a thrift store, um, maybe talk to the manager or some of the volunteers you know, a couple months before your trip, and you say, like, hey, if any fishing gear comes in, if, if sleeping bags come in, anything that you might be able to use on the trip, or at least take a look at and be like, oh, yeah, that doesn't really fit the bill. Thanks, though. You might, you might stumble on some, some gems. I've found tons of good equipment at thrift stores over the years. And if you can get it kind of before it goes on the floor and you actually have to pay for it, even better. Um, check with local colleges. This was one, I don't even know what gave me the idea, but when we were planning the backpacking trips, uh, I reached out to, even though we're in Illinois, um, I had heard of this place called Kelvin. And uh, I, I called Kelvin and asked, like, hey, do you guys do any um, like, like outdoors stuff for your student body? And sure enough, they did. And they had like backpacking equipment and maybe canoes. They had a bunch of stuff, though, that students can like check out, kind of like checking out a book in the library. And I said, well, you know, it's summer. Is that stuff available? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. And, and we have a connection with Calvin. We send kids there, of course. So they were willing to let us borrow things. We didn't end up doing it um, just because the kids that we took ended up being able to come up with their own things. Uh, we had a local college that I reached out to them, and they had a bunch of canoes and kayaks that we um, could have had access to as well. So you just, you never know, especially if you live in a somewhat woodsy or, or outdoorsy area, a lot of colleges do invest in that for their student life programs. Um, some outdoor stores do rental equipment. You know, we have REI around us, which um, used to do a whole lot more rental stuff. Uh, they've limited that in a lot of locations, but maybe your area has a similar type of store or has an REI that still rents things out. Um, seek out grants, though. You know, there, there's outdoor companies that might uh, be willing to send you equipment. Um, you know, I think of like, I played college lacrosse. We wrote to a lacrosse um, stick company and they sent us a bunch of sticks when we started our, uh, our team. Um, tweet at a famous person. I thought of that. I was like, you know, hey, tweet at Jimmy Chin to see if he'll donate some, you know, climbing harnesses or something. I don't know. Uh, find somebody, you know, with deeper pockets than you and I have at your school, a major donor. Maybe they're a big time fisherman. Maybe they like uh, this or that activity that you're planning. You know, really pull those heartstrings. Maybe they're willing to throw some money your way or, or help in some way. Maybe it's a long shot, but maybe your leadership, you know, wants to throw it into the school budget. Uh, and we got helped out by, by our school in little ways. Like, they were willing to let us use one of their minibuses, but we had to haul a canoe trailer. So we asked nicely, and hey, they put a hitch on it for us. Didn't cost us anything. It worked out nice. You know, there's little things that maybe your school can help out with, too. Hey, do you remember that story about the... The canoe that went through the windshield. Oh, yeah, that, that did happen. We had, <laughs> real quick, 30 second horrible story, teacher story. I had to pick up a canoe from someone's house, and I thought, yeah, I'll just shove it right in the back of the minibus. And I had like 
a quarter of an inch of clearance from both ends. I was like, this should be fine. So I get on the highway, I'm going 70, I hit a big bump, and that whole front of the canoe just went right through the front of the windshield. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> they never charge us for the windshield. Never charge us. They were okay for it. Yeah. Uh, here's a sample calculus. I'm not going to go line through line by line. Um, and we should have maybe said this earlier. We will share this presentation with you if you want. There's obviously a lot of stuff in here that you could probably figure out on your own. But sometimes looking at something like this is really helpful just as you create your own calculus. You know, this is something we give to the kids. And, um, you know, we annotate kind of bold things that are really important, like rain gear. We put little asterisks and other things for things that if they don't have it, they could ask us to borrow it from us. Um, and just, yeah, something that they can cross off in their room as they're packing in the days before the trip, uh, just to make sure they have everything they need. Um, here was an example of a backpacking list that we did a couple years back as well, with just even some little phrases of just like, hey, yeah, I have hiking boots, but make sure they're broken in. Um, with this one, we chose to put things to make sure not to bring, which for experienced outdoorsmen and women like we are, like we kind of know what to leave at home and doesn't make sense. But if you're taking a bunch of rookies, things that they always take on their family vacation shouldn't come on the trip. And they might not make that connection because, you know, they're new to it and they're 14. Uh, but laying out very clearly, like, leave this stuff at home uh, can, uh, can be helpful too. I'm going to talk food. That's, uh, that's become kind of my area of expertise on our trips as well. Um, gear and food. So I'll hand it back over to Ken after this, but, but food obviously is pretty stinking important too. We do like to remind the boys that the human body can survive for about three weeks without any food, uh, but we do still have to feed them too, I guess. Uh, but, but, you know, it's, it's kind of nice because ev would you agree that everything tastes better in the woods? Yeah. Everything, right? It, 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 especially if you just had a huge day of tons of miles of paddling or, or, or hiking. Yeah. You know, and, and the, what's nice about that is it means it doesn't really have to be fancy. Really? It, it, it doesn't. Um, I, I admire people who get real creative out in the woods, but I'd like to keep it pretty simple. But include the kids in the process of planning the menu. Um, part of that is just being practical, like then they know what they're getting, then you figure out what they like and don't like, so there's no surprises. Again, I have young kids, and there's nothing worse, right, when you prepare a meal and they sit down like, yeah, they don't want to eat anything. We don't want that in the woods, like they gotta eat. Um, of course, you can then factor in allergies, uh, you know, other things too that you really have to be concerned of. But we've taken kids on trips that were gluten-free. We've taken kids with nut allergies. Uh, you yeah. just got to be a little more careful. Yeah. We had one. We had one year where a kid, remember, he had he had he had a lot of allergies, and he could only eat the stuff that he brought. Yeah. So he brought all of his own food and made it all of his own food the whole week. I think so. So as with so many things, like where there's a will, there's a way. You can make it work. Don't let that scare you off. Um, Obviously, consider what kind of trip you're doing. That kind of dictates your menu. If I'm doing a backpacking trip, you know, I'm, I'm packing a lot lighter, a lot more compact foods uh, versus like a canoe trip, which, you know, yeah, take a small cooler if you really want to, right? Throw, throw lots of extra food in there because you got the space and it's, you're not carrying it, you're paddling it. Um, so obviously that plays in as well. In our opinion, everything you need for a trip you can get at a normal grocery store. You know, you don't have to go to REI or Dick's Sporting Goods or wherever else and buy freeze-dried meals. You don't have to spend, you know, two weeks before your trip dehydrating all this stuff. Um, I get, I'll show you my, some of my grocery lists. I get, like, almost everything except for maybe two items at Aldi. 
right? If you have an Aldi in your area, it's it's a backpacker's dream, right? You can get that stuff and really cheap too. Um, you buy you can buy the mountain house meals, the freeze dried meals, but it's going to cost you like twelve bucks a meal. Uh, you won't poop for like five days after you eat one. It's going to give you terrible gas. Yeah. So, in our experience, at least. Sorry, too much information. Sorry. Um, maybe you can relate. But uh, overall, just err on the side of too much food, right? Even backpacking, where you're really kind of considering how much stuff weighs sometimes. Uh, you know, teenagers can eat. Uh, I know our, our first year on the fishing trip for middle schoolers, we took eight boys and then ourselves. And that's what I kind of made my guesstimations for how much of each thing to buy it off of. Then the next year, uh, we took ten boys and the two of us. And as a you know smart person, I had saved all my stuff from the year before. So I just went to the grocery store and bought the exact same things and the exact same amounts. Uh, by like day three, these guys are like, man, we're hungry. Is that all we get? Like, uh, oops. Now we never admitted, even to this day, we never have admitted to those boys that, yeah, we just didn't have enough food to feed them. We just taught them survival skills. But yeah, we were just like, no, you're eating a lot. You guys are just hungry because you're working hard. We didn't want to admit our mistake. But uh, anyway, have enough food. Have enough food. Allow for snacks. Right? I mean, keep an eye on what they're bringing so they're not adding like 12 pounds to their pack or anything. But, you know, those little creature comforts, having that, that particular snack that they really like, that can be a huge morale booster. And, you know, that goes for a wilderness trip, but that goes for your choir trip to Disney, your French trip to Paris, whatever. Allow them to have that little, like, thing that maybe if they're having a really cruddy day or, or just are feeling like they're missing home, you know, having that one brand of chips is going to be the yeah, difference. I would so love if I could interject for just course. a minute, a moment, moment, I don't we would always take a hike on our Sylvania trips and on our way back from Deer Isle, Ross would always surprise the kids with Jolly Ranchers on the hike, you know. <coughs> really Jolly Rancher. But to them, it was like 100 bucks. Like, oh my word, this is amazing. I can't believe you gave us a Jolly Rancher. Like, oh, what's this? Twizzlers around the campfire. You know, they get all excited. Um, but anyway, allow for, for just individual snacks, too. Um, for our trips, we never really spend a lot of time, like, counting ounces and, and worrying about how much every little thing weighs or how many calories you get out of this food versus that food. If I've got any hardcore backpackers in here, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like on a, on a really sophisticated level, you, you can become pretty obsessed. You're like cutting down the handle on your toothbrush and, and finding lighter shoelaces. You know, people are crazy out there. I don't think it's really worth it, especially for the kids. If they're 16, 17 maybe, just put some more weight on them. They're fine. They'll be okay. Um, but I don't really think you have to, again, in our opinion, you don't have to count those ounces too much. Um, but they do need three meals a day. We, we learned that. They do need three meals a day. Um, you know, we think doing a big breakfast of like hot food is a great way to start every day, whether whatever kind of trip you're doing. Um, do like a kind of medium light lunch is, is usually a good balance because you're usually busy. You don't want to spend a ton of time preparing, but also the kids don't want to spend a, time, a lot of time eating. They want to get back to fishing. They want to get back on the trail. They want to do whatever. So just a quick lunch is always good. And then a big dinner. Right, and the, and the kind of that rhythm of caloric intake works well for most bodies as well. Um, and those are kind of the times also where maybe cleanup is easiest too. But that keeps them happy, that keeps them moving. But again, uh, having a hot meal in the morning or in the evening also is good for morale. You know, some kid just slept in a wet sleeping bag all night with a river running through it. Having a hot pancake or two is going to help that morale go up. Uh, you know, their feet are sore and blistered, or they got skunked all day fishing, 
you know, some spaghetti in the evening, a nice warm meal is, is going to help with morale. Just little things like that, you know, that, that can make a difference that, that you might not think of otherwise. So here's some just examples of my shopping lists. Um, again, almost 100% of it comes from Aldi, uh, but you can find it at Walmart or wherever other grocery places you get. Um, you see some quantities there too, um, but we keep, again, it, it relatively simple. Um, I threw that picture on there because uh, that's a, um, a particular line of bread that I always buy for trips at Aldi. They, make, they have them at other stores, there's other brands, but I'm like, a, I'm like a sandwich skinny disciple. I love telling people where to be outdoors about these things. Which you learned from me, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, sandwiches are such an easy, quick meal, and pretty much everyone likes them, but you're not going to take a loaf of bread because it's going to get crushed and destroyed. Well, the nice thing about these sandwich skinnies is both sides are crusted, and it's already flattened. So you don't have to worry about flattening it or crushing it. It's already crushed, but that's how it's supposed to be. So I try to tell as many people about those as possible. It's better than a tortilla or, or non bread or, or whatever other, like, other breads people kind of throw out there. Try it out, I promise. Uh, whoops. We do uh, dinners, we kind of a wide variety, we usually just kind of pick from that list. I, I looked at this as like, ooh, this is kind of our, our adult fishing trip list, so that's why you see like buffalo chicken dip and uh, smoked ribs, we eat pretty good. Uh, also, yeah, random picture of a bucket, that uh, I'm also a disciple of this. If you're doing especially like canoe trips, that is the best way to store your food is in a five-gallon bucket with a snap-on lid. They're waterproof. They will float if you flip your canoe. Uh, they are easier to hang in trees if you're in bear country. Critters other than bears can't get into them. So go to the hardware store and get yourself a $4 bucket if you want to uh, transport food. They don't always pack so great in a kayak. Canoes, they're not too bad. They better speed up. Yeah, thanks, Ross, for taking up all the time. No, sorry. Appreciate that. Uh, okay, so I know we're almost out of time. We've got like five minutes, so we'll do this really, really quick. Uh, one of our, one of the things that we do uh, spend a, quite a bit of time on is having some parent and student meetings before the trips. So usually in a month or so before, we'll have uh, the boys come first, and we have show and tell. We bring fishing gear, say, hey, we're going to go fishing. This is the type of pole I'm going to be using. And uh, P.S., I've, I've done these trips enough. I mean, every year I've gone, I've had kids break my fishing poles. So this is a great time to, you know, bring an ugly stick, not a G. Loomis or a St. Croix. <laughs> so you want to pack some cheaper stuff. Um, but yeah, having the kids, uh, I know Ross mentioned this, coming up with some of your menu items so that they have more of a, an active role in, in planning the meals. Um, and honestly, it's a great time to connect with their parents, too. If, if We've had some years where some boys, like this is their first time away from home. And some kids had a lot of anxiety. I remember when there was one year we had a student that kind of had a mini meltdown by the by the lake one day, and we had a, you know, it wasn't like we had to send him home, but you know we had to had to talk through some things. Uh, but those are the types of things that happen. Um, we also even like make the kids set up the tents beforehand in the school property, just so that there's no surprises. Like we're going to set these up so you guys are confident and comfortable before we go out into the wild. Uh, we yeah, talk about our itinerary with uh, the parents. This is where we're going. These are the days, the campsites. We even provide um, contact information for local ranger stations um, if, if needed, if that's where we're going to be at. I'm going to get, I'm going to keep going here because again, we've got like three minutes left. 
So get out there. Depending on your activity level and your itinerary will be either more loose or more stringent. I think this is all depending on your personality type. You know, Ross and I were pretty chill. So a lot of our days we kind of structure in the more looser side. You know, general times for things. It's not like we're having, you know, 6 a.m. wake up time. Let's get breakfast going. It's like, no. I mean, we loosely sleep in, but nature wakes you up, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of how we roll. Uh, say we'll have breakfast, and then we'll go out fishing and come back. Hey, be back between 12 and 12.30 for lunch, etc. Um, but one of the things that I really like is, you know, we tell the boys, hey, we're not your maids and butlers. Like, you're coming with us, you're, you're going to be an equal kind of with us in that respect. So you're going to participate in cooking. You're going to participate in help keeping the camp clean, getting firewood, my least favorite job. Um, cooking schedules, making them do the dishes. Actually, it's probably the worst one out in the woods. But um, anyway, we make the kids do it. And uh, they learn that, um, yeah, it's, it's work. It's work. It's fun to be out there, but it also is, is work, too. So we do have a testimonial from one of our former students. Play it. We're good. Well, let's just do it. Okay, here we go. This is Trevor. He came, what, was this our first year? Uh, he came twice, I think. Twice. Here we go. Hopefully the audio's. Let's pause that quick. Well, then it's camping. When I heard that one of my favorite teachers was leading a camping and fishing trip, I didn't hesitate to sign up. It sounded like such a cool, unique opportunity to get off the grid and spend time with friends, and I'm really thankful that I did sign up. I think maybe for the first time ever, I really had meaningful freedom to explore nature without any type of distractions. And more than that, we had meaningful responsibilities. We had to help out around camp, and what we caught was what we ate. It was really exhilarating, uh, which again, I, I had a great time. But more than that, it was really peaceful. Uh, there's no better place to experience the Lord's glory than fishing in a canoe or sitting on a log next to brothers in Christ. I deepened my relationships with my classmates, and I even got to see the teachers that I already looked up to in a new light, um, even getting to call them by their first names, which was fun at the time. Encountering God's word through communal time spent in creation is so powerful, and the trip gave us plenty of chances to do just that. When I think about my time in the Upper Peninsula, I can honestly say that it is an Ebenezer in my journey as a man and as a child of God. It was a real, real coming-of-age experience. More than simply growing as a fisherman, which is something that I really, really needed help with, I also grew in responsibility, faith, and friendship. I had each of those qualities modeled well for me by my teachers who shared stories and advice of how to be a man and a husband and a father. It was a really cool space to ask questions, to dig deep, and to have more fun than I thought was possible. If I have the chance, I have no doubt that I will prioritize taking my sons on similar trips one day. And I can't recommend enough taking the time to invest in your students in this exceptional way. Um, I can personally attest that it will pay dividends for your students in your students' lives for years to come. Wasn't that nice? Yeah, nice kids. Um, you know, we're, we're going to wrap it up here. We were going to talk about you know, make sure you connect with those kids. You're going to have a fairly different relationship with the kids you take on a trip like that. Share pictures with their families. Get together a month or so after you get home, and you know if it's after school, get some pizza. Maybe recook a favorite meal from the trip. You know, I, I have the backpacking high schoolers over to my house, and we you know sat around a fire. It's just a good chance to like you know remember the trip. And I think the most important thing: plan the next trip. Right? You're, you're recruiting already for your next trip, right? The fun they had is going to want them to go again. And, and if they even get to say, like, hey, we should do this or you know, go to this place, it, it can be a ton of fun to connect that way. Um, 
you, you guys have been great. Uh, if, if you have a moment, if you have a spot you've taken kids or a good spot for any wilderness activities, we always need more places to consider, whether it be for our own trips. Stick or around and talk to us. Yeah, come talk. Yeah. Thank you, though. We do appreciate you uh, and your attention. Thanks for coming, guys.